You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing? Hey, Robert. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited to be chatting with you for a little bit here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I love these little windows that we get each week. I mean, I know we don't always get to record an episode each week, but even when we get these little windows to just do these intros, it's fun to catch up and touch base. Yeah. 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 Well, what's been happening with you for the last week? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I think just getting <laughs> – I'm like, oh. Um, I'm, I still feel like I'm like wrapping up, not fully like wrapping up the semester, but, um, but I know I've talked on the show about, um, I think I have that I'm going to be on research leave in the spring. And so maybe I haven't talked about it. Yeah. I don't know if you have. Yeah. I know, obviously I know that, but I I know, I don't know if we have talked about it in this. Yeah. No, I don't think we have. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to be uh, on research leave in the spring. And basically, that means I will just be focusing on writing. I won't be teaching any classes. And most of my administrative responsibilities here at the school will be um, kind of put on pause. And so, I'm really, really excited about that space to just write about some of the the data that, you know, we've collected over the last, like, you know, several months and some projects that I'm working on, but, but there's a lot to do to get ready to go on leave just to make sure that, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, everybody has what they need and that, you know, uh, my amazing staff are set up well, you know, to be able to run everything in the spring. And so anyway, so I'm just, you know, trying to get that all wrapped up and, you know, I've got a trip to get ready for next week and just, you know, just kind of trying to tie things up before the holiday break. So yeah. 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 What about you? What have you been working on or what have you been up to? We, let's see, have still been getting Christmas stuff going. So I, we finally, I think last time you asked me if we had our tree up. So it is up now. Yay! Uh, Actually, like the couple hours before we hopped on to record this, we set that up. Um, But so doing a lot of that stuff. And then I actually did two different trainings this past week. um, Oh, that's fun. Great. Really enjoyed those, both like the actual content, but then also getting to connect with some people at those and, you know, just meet some other folks and things like that. But it was a good kind of change of pace, you know, scheduled some clients earlier in the week than I normally do. And then had those two days that were like full on training days. Um, Yeah. It was fun, like long days, but definitely uh, also good, inspiring type you always love learning some more things and ideas of, oh, I could use this in these different settings or oh yeah, um, even like applicable to like home life, you know, like yeah. oh, one, one was about had a lot to do with uh, children and managing big feelings and things like that. And so a lot of that mm. in my head translated to like potentially with gray over the next couple of years and things like, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that's one of my favorite things about like the, the work that we do or just like kind of this field is so much of it, obviously the like clinical setting stuff is less so but a lot of it that's just like here's coping skills or here's like how humans function or things like that are Mm. so kind of widely applicable that it's always interesting to see you know kind of where my brain is is pulling things and saying oh this would be useful in this area like with me or with gray or with 
friends yeah. or, you know. So I always find that really interesting. No, I think that that's awesome. I, I totally agree with you. I think we're really fortunate in a lot of ways that the type of work we do does allow us to integrate it into our, you know, regular day-to-day lives, not just in, you know, the the work that we do. So yeah. I think that's yeah. awesome that you're able to see that. So that's good. Yeah. All right. I have some questions for you this okay. time because <laughs> you're know, always so <laughs> No, they're not. They're not. I'm not as um, savvy as you are when it comes to coming up with these questions. But in the spirit of the holidays and yeah. us transitioning into the holidays, so I have a couple of questions. The Ooh. first one I wanted to ask is, as y'all are moving towards the holidays, are there any new traditions that you and Brooke are going to be picking up with Gray this year that y'all are wanting to to start doing this year with Gray? That is a great question, actually. Mm. I think about traditions sometimes in terms of like, are they like somebody set out to create a tradition or did they just people liked it and so they just like kind of ended up happening uh-huh. um, and I think the second one is probably how more traditions end up starting right like because they're things that people enjoy and they've done year after year so I know that last year we bought these little like spritz cookie makers like where mm. you um you like squeeze them through this little I don't know how to describe it it's like a little <laughs> like gun that like pushes the dough through different like discs oh, see, like they yeah. spread out in like uh, little Christmas trees or little snowmen or whatever uh-huh. um and uh, me and my brother used to make those like with my grandparents when we were little so my grandparents would like make them and then we would put little sprinkles or decorate them or whatever and then yeah. they'd bake them and then they would come out and um, and I know we, Brooke and I did that last year. I got really excited and went and found one that I could buy, one of those little like gun things or whatever, like yeah. d- dough guns. Oh my um, gosh. And so yeah. I imagine we'll try to do that this year. Obviously, he's still a little on the young side in terms of like understanding decorate cookies or, or anything like that. But uh-huh. I imagine it'll be like messy and fun. Um, mm. So that's the first one that jumps to mind in terms of like, which I guess isn't necessarily new because like we, me and my brother used to do that, but, no, but you know, yeah. kind of making it our own and starting it within kind of our context, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's, that was one of the reasons I'm asking because he's, you know, Gray's like a year and a half now. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, y'all are able to start these and make them your own from what you did before. Um, Is there anything else that that you're wanting to start this year or, or adapt or I don't Hmm. know? I don't know. That's a great question. Now I'm going to think about it. Ooh, I asked, I asked a good question. Look at that. What you're a therapist? Um, well, <laughs> like paid to ask good questions. Yeah, I just um, you know. No, I know, I know. I just that's. I wish I would. Every time a client says that's a good question, I always say thanks. Like, yeah, that's, that's what, my job. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah, that's what you're paying me for. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What about what about you? I know. Obviously, your kids are a little older. Are there things yeah. that? kind of in in terms of how I was thinking about it before, right? Are there things mm. that you have kind of accidentally turned into tra- traditions where you say, oh, you know what? We didn't mean to that that now we do that every year. Or yeah. are there things, are, do they fall more in the like, yes, we set out to like make these traditions with our kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have a few. And I really try to like not make it a ton because I know that I would be setting us up for failure if we try to like 
do a ton of different traditions and keep up with them every year, but there are yeah. a few. So I know last year I talked about how like we bake cookies for our neighbors and then we like we walk around where like I, you know, the kids sit in like a little red wagon with all the cookies. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. And then we go and deliver them to our neighbors. So we're, we'll do that again this year. And then we do one of my favorite traditions that we do as a family is and you are welcome to borrow this one especially because gray is still so little um but we we have done something each year where on christmas morning before we go run off to get the the gifts under the tree we pile into into our bed and we take a picture of all love me Corey, and the kids in bed on christmas morning like all excited and happy and i have pictures of us since Callie's first Christmas. And so it's really sweet now. You know, we have, this will be, gosh, our seventh um, or eighth year doing this. And so just having this little progression of our family, like on Christmas morning, and it's not, you know, it's, they're not like pretty pictures or anything, but we just have them, (laughs) right? Yeah. So, um, and it's like right when we wake up. So anyways, so we do that. And then, I mean, there's a few, yeah, there's a few other things we like try to do. Like there's certain little events around Waco. Baylor has a little Christmas event that we go to each year and Oh my gosh. One thing, I I mean, I know I said we don't do a lot. I really promise. It doesn't feel like a lot um, (laughs) for us. But one thing that we have done each year was live stream Callie and Oliver getting ready for Santa. And we have those like little videos of, you know, them getting ready for Santa and putting out the reindeer food and the cookies and telling everybody what's going to happen. And so I don't know if we'll do that again this year. I think we probably will, but you know, anyways, so, but those are just little things. Yeah. 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 They're they're fun little things that we do, but yeah. You know what I was, I was thinking, I love how unique Christmas traditions are, or even just traditions in general, right? But to like people's or friend groups or contexts. Yeah. So you know what would be interesting? So we have, we're coming up, we have just like our kind of Christmassy episode where you and I are just going to kind of talk about things. Uh I would love if listeners sent in, like email us or tweet us or whatever, like send us some of your unique Christmas traditions that you think are like really fun or things like that. And we can, you know, share them. Oh my gosh. My favorite ones. Cause I think, I think it'd be interesting to hear from people, you know, what they do like that, taking a picture first thing in bed. Like I've never heard that because that's the illustration, you know? So yeah. I think it'd be interesting. So send, no, send I, us in. I love that. Yeah. I really, I hope folks do send it in because I think it'd be fun to read those. Um, and I just think it's fun getting different ideas from folks about what they do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you want to shift into talking about this week's episode? Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this week's episode? Sure. So this week we have Joe Padilla on. Um, He is uh, the co-founder of the Grace Alliance. It started in 2011 um, alongside with Dr. Matthew Stanford. And now Joe really um, leads the Mental Health Grace Alliance uh, here in Waco, Texas. We talk with him about Grace Alliance and about the workbooks that they have available um, that are primarily focused on equipping church leadership and nonprofit businesses or organizations to be able to talk about mental health, um, particularly from a faith-based perspective. 
So they're, I mean, they're pretty well known. He's, he, you know, he definitely talks in this episode about how they have grown um, over these last eight years or so and kind of what started um, Grace Alliance and like, you know, a lot of his backstory and, and his family's backstory about why this matters and, and how yeah. he came to it. But, but yeah, I think this is a really practical episode, especially in thinking of, for about folks who are in ministry settings and trying to think about, okay, well, you know, I recognize that there are some mental health concerns and needs in my organization or in my congregation. And so like, how do I, what are some practical ways for me to address those or to provide some resources or equipping or small groups? Um, and I really, I really think Joe does a great job talking through that in this episode. Yeah. So, what about you? What What were your thoughts about this one? Yeah, I mean, I I obviously loved like kind of the story of his involvement and why he's so passionate about this and his yeah. family. And when I say loved, I mean you know like a lot of the stories that we hear. That doesn't mean I love everything that happened, but just hearing kind right. of the the heartbeat and the and all that. And and so I I definitely appreciated him sharing that with us. But then the the very practical you know okay what what does it look like what what are the resources that y'all have and like the mindset behind those right because that's yeah. such a common question that we get asked um, both in regards to the show but also just in kind of day-to-day life as I talk to people because helping faith leaders is like kind of my slant on it right mm-hmm. and so you know the like okay do you know of any practical resources any workbooks how would, how would I start a small group how would I help a you know start a ministry like things like that is exactly what they do and so getting to hear where they're coming from and why they do some things the way they do them and and that type of stuff I think is is really good for me to hear but and then yeah. you know hopefully for our listeners to hear who are tuning in saying, hey, I love the conversations y'all are having. Is there like a, a tangible, like, could I order a packet of things to help me implement this in my context? Yeah. I'm really excited for our listeners to get to hear from um, Joe Padilla today with Mental Health Grace Alliance. Enjoy y'all. Hey, welcome back to the show. This week we have Joe Padilla on. Um, He is a Baylor University graduate and a licensed and ordained minister with over 20 years of experience working in overseas missions, stateside church leadership, and nonprofit and small business development. Joe's wife had longstanding mental health challenges, which led him to study and discover a unique scientific and faith approach, which helped his wife have remarkable mental health recovery to this day. Um, With this new insight and personal experience, Joe and Dr. Matthew Stanford co-founded the Grace Alliance in 2011 to provide simple, innovative, and grace-filled resources and tools to empower the body of Christ. And I absolutely want to put in a little note that Joe's daughter uh, was a student of mine a couple of years ago. And so getting to know um, his family through through Sweet Sarah um, has been such a delight. So Joe, I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. Welcome. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys and have a, a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Setting well, the know, bar high right up front. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, I know this has been a long time coming to bring you on the show. I know Robert has emailed you separately, and then yeah. I've reached out separately, and then you and I grabbed coffee, and you know, it's just so good to finally be connected with you in this space. 
Yes. No, it's really fun. You know, I, I enjoy uh, talking about this and, and really talking about it with uh, a sense of joy, not just always the, the hardship, which we need to recognize the hardship, but really yeah. see the joy of the process as well. Oh, that's mm. so good. I love that. Well, I, I started, well, first of all, is there anything else that you want to add uh, to the fancy bio that I kind of walked through? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that really clearly uh, uh, shares the, this, the history and uh, where we started. And uh, it, so it was a journey and we can dive in more into that yeah. as we the conversation as well. Perfect. Well, that's actually where I think we're wanting to start is just to hear about the backstory um, about how Mental Health Grace Alliance came to be, um, just expanding on, you know, the brief little bit that I had shared a moment ago. Yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, my wife and I and our family and, you know, our, our daughter, Sarah, she, um, this is way back when she was very little, but, um, you know, we were overseas, uh, in missions and, and during that time, that's when my wife had some really challenges with depression, anxiety and things like that. And, <clears throat> and that just kind of protracted through the years and it just got worse and worse, which actually after about 10 years on the field, that's what, um, really brought us home. Um, and then when we came home, you know, we, we were going to um, get into much more ministry care and as well as uh, mental health care as well. But however, as we, you know, the, the, we were home for two years and it just got worse and worse over that two years, even despite the ministry care that we were getting and also the professional care um, that to the next level that we had uh, available. Mm. And then after that two years, that's when basically life just kind of fell apart for uh, our marriage, our family, everything. We really couldn't function in leadership. And we had to uh, uh, step down. And um, and basically, that's the leaders were just like, hey, you, you can't be here anymore. You got to focus on your wife and your family. You know, and when you go through that kind of uh, situation, you know, you're uh, you're kind of in despair. You're kind of angry with God of here we our lives our dream everything we we wanted we lost you know and all because of my wife's uh, mental health challenges and th different things however long story short during that time when we when I had to step down it was really when I started to dive deep into um, a lot of the research around mental health what is this because um, as a minister uh, and a leader, and even, you know, uh, you know, all the people that we worked with in our, our church and, and ministry, we were all highly educated. You know, we weren't like um, against the science. We just were never trained very well and really understood these things. So that's when I really um, I met Dr. Matthew Stanford at that time, who at that time he was a, a you know, neuroscience professor there at Baylor University as well. But there, that time, um, I really went deep because there were no um, evidence-based science and Christian mental health resources that integrated very well. They just I couldn't find any of those things. So that's when I researched and figured out, oh, here's how the brain works. Oh, here's how the, the therapeutic approach works. Oh, here's how this medicine works. So I was figuring all these things out and then seeing this beautiful connection with the Bible and faith and all of those those uh, those aspects. So I, from from there, I basically just kind of applied um, everything that I had learned into her journey. Uh, we I actually this is kind of funny, but I actually uh, fired all the uh, professionals that were helping at that time because um, mm. they weren't really helping. 
in a sense. They weren't paying attention to the medications. They weren't paying attention to what actually the therapeutic process was necessary. Um, And so basically, we just got other professionals that I felt like were more in line to what she was needing at that time. And then we developed a whole way of living life at home as a family and her to set a new stage for her to get better. And remarkably, after about a year and a half of that journey, uh, she started feeling better and better to the point where she felt like herself again. And then, uh, and even like Dr. Stanford and another, uh, another mental health professional said, you know, her story is a clinical miracle because of from where mm. she has been and suffering for those uh, eight to 10 years to now where she is, you rarely, hardly ever see that. And then that, from that point, that's basically things just started uh, building uh, in my own heart. And I knew all the research about the, the statistics and things like that and just thought, you know, this wasn't rocket science in a, in a sense. It was just learning how to strategize all these things together to improve and we can help other people do this, especially in the church, because it's extremely lacking from a language standpoint, a training, a true understanding and how to really help people through that journey. And so that's where Grace Alliance started and uh, Dr. Sanford and I started uh, the organization. Gosh, that's so that's so neat. I love hearing that story. Um, each time I always feel like I pick up new little pieces about the story and I love that you, you know, just unpack that so beautifully. And I love, you know, just how, you know, attentive you and uh, or that you were kind of to this whole process and your willingness um, to jump in and dive in and understand the research and to learn from others and to discern well, like what is helping and what's not helping and to just um, come alongside your your wife through this journey. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and just recognizing too how this impacted the whole family. Like this isn't just her and how it impacted her, but how it's also impacted you and the family as a whole and um, that healing is beautiful. And it's, yeah. and I think you're right to say that, you know, that it's a miracle in a lot of ways. Cause that obviously like, that's not the story for everyone. And so, um, so I think that that is a miracle and for how you've been able to steward this experience to offer good for others, um, is just remarkable. So, yeah. 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 I love the way that you, you're talking about kind of this holistic approach, right. Of like these things work together. So, it's not like you said, well, I like threw all the science out the window and I threw all the professionals out the window. And I, mm-hmm. you know, you said I fired those ones because they we, they weren't working for us and we found new ones and I incorporated what I knew about the science and the therapeutic relationship and what I believe to be true faith-wise and scripturally. And then also our family and we changed our rhythms and like all these aspects factor into things. And so I love that like blending. Obviously, that's a lot of, you know, what we believe in at you know, with the show and everything, but mm-hmm. I love hearing that story of like, hey, we found a way that everything worked together because the goal of, you know, all these things is is healing. And so why wouldn't they work together instead of kind of, you know, it has to be one or the other. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Totally, totally agree. Oh, that's good. Well, tell us, so I love this backstory about Mental Health Grace Alliance, but I want to hear you talk, um, tell us a little bit about just about the organization as a whole. Like what role does Mental Health Grace Alliance play in the service work that it that it does, and, and as a ministry, and you know what is it really that it provides as a ministry? 
Yeah. We should, sorry, real quick, before yeah. you answer that, just to avoid kind of confusion if people are listening, the name changed somewhat recently, right? Like it kind of shortened. And so there's, yes. you know, I feel like we're referring to it kind of two different ways, just so people know it started out right. as Mental Health yeah. Grace Alliance, and now it's kind of formally gr- just Grace Alliance, right? Right. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, yeah the, 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 actually the, the name of the organization is still Mental Health Grace Alliance. Everybody mm-hmm. just re- refers to us as the Grace Alliance. And so- uh, in conversation, when we're out and about, things like that, it just always comes up. Oh, Grace Alliance, you know. So yeah. basically, it's it's a good way just to relate uh, across the, uh, you know, everywhere as the Grace Alliance. So it's it's fine. You, you know, Grace Alliance or just the Grace Alliance is fine. I love it. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, so, um, you know, and I think that the the you know the whole thing about Grace Alliance for me um, going through this experience with my wife being a, uh, a, you know, a leader in the church and as a leader in the church and we, you know, my wife and I being leaders, not having all the support and not knowing how to handle this, you know, and then just thinking how much more for somebody who is coming in, just sitting in the back pew or the back of the church, having this experience and not knowing if there really is support or not, you know, so from the pulpit to the to the pew, you know, you know funny little relation there for pastor. Mm, but, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but, you know, just realizing people are suffering, whether they're in the clergy or whether they're in the church, you know, they're suffering at the same level. And when I looked at the statistics, you know, seeing, OK, you got about a quarter of the population in the church that is really going through this experience, going through twice as many stressors as other attendees. And then you look at the clergy and the statistics there, you see just, you know, up to a quarter of the clergy also experiencing this, but we're not talking about it. We don't know how to train about it. We don't know how to deal with these things um, and address them with the, with the proper support. And so when I was going through this and learning all these things, I was just thinking, you know, a lot of this is really simple. We just have to rethink and relearn how to really care for people in these dynamics. So, and I was just thinking, Jesus, this is, this is not the way it should be. There is a, a different way to do this. And, you know, in, in my own prayer process and things like that, it, it just came about of, well, then go do something. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, getting into Grace Lines did wasn't a calling, you know, I didn't have that. I just felt like this strong, loving invitation to get in what he's doing with this issue, with this uh, challenge to help minister and love people well in the church who are going through this. And so when we developed a Grace Alliance, I originally uh, was working out of my guest bedroom and I was just fielding phone calls from all over Texas. And then people would drive in and then other people within the city, I'd go meet with them at coffee shops. And all I was doing was helping them navigate how to get through this challenge from a holistic, a whole health approach, and then dealing also with the faith crisis that often uh, comes with this journey. And so just tr- helping them have a new lens of grace and how to see God in this, rather than how do you work towards God to get him to move and somehow bless you so that you don't suffer anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that we just don't know how to talk about suffering uh, in the West as much we don't know how to deal with these things. And so I think there's a, there, we just have to have a new lens. So I just really kind of was coaching and consulting people along the way. And then eventually the need grew into uh, building a small group experience to help us walk through these topics and different things. 
because I had been through other support, uh, another support group and it was a, you know, kind of a secular and, and it was just that venting model, you know, the catharsis kind of, Hey, let's all get it out. And I walked out of that meeting going, this cannot be the way we deal with this. This was so discouraging. And so, uh, it just kind of fueled more anger, you know? And so I thought there's gotta be a better way to do this. And so that's when, uh, Dr. Sanford and I really created these curriculums to walk families through this experience with good topics and tools that would help them move forward. And then we created a curriculum for individuals who are going through this experience, because I know this journey from uh, the neuroscience and all those things. And we, we put that curriculum together and we called that living grace. You know, the, we have family grace and then living grace. And then we also created a, a trauma-based version that we actually uh, used in Libya and the refugee camps and so we created that. And then, of course, the, the way I was helping people, we just developed that into a curriculum uh, to really kind of coach people through that whole health process. Really simple stuff, not the therapeutic end of stuff, but the stuff that complements the therapeutic approach. So it doesn't it doesn't uh, combat it, but it actually, again, complements so that they see that recovery. And then later, you know, with Dr. Stanford's um, input and his role, we were able to do research on these uh, these programs and the, all the research was published and the efficacy was there and seeing that people's lives were really improving and getting better all just by putting and aligning and strategically putting these things together so that they would work well together and especially that they would work well together in community and in any church environment. Doesn't matter what denomination it is or what what that was our heart. It doesn't have to be one particular denomination. We wanted this to be ecumenical because the church needed this, not just one denomination. Because this is a people thing, not just one uh, church. So again, that's kind of where we are now, and we have seen these groups really grow through the years. And and right now, we have um, you know about three hundred and thirty some odd uh, groups all over the world, mostly wow. in the U.S. and you know, right now, the the average uh, group that we see started weekly is we see about three groups starting every week. Wow. And so we just know that this is really touching hearts and giving people an experience within community to talk about it, feel safe, not judged, have understanding from a faith perspective, to feel that compassion and grow from there and, and see lives change. And I can sit here and tell you all kinds of really cool stories of how people's lives are being changed just by going through these groups. So it's kind of a neat thing to see uh, this grow over the years. And not because we had some the, we had the magic formula of business, but I think it's because a need is being uh, met within the church and that's what's growing. I love that. I yeah. I love, I can't believe that growth. And yet there is a part of me that's like, yes, that that echoes with, you know, with kind of what we're seeing in some of the research. So I'm, I love that folks are picking up on the work that you're doing. I have one follow-up question to this, and then I, I want to, and then another one, but, um, <laughs> but. Um, this is an interview, so <laughs> yeah, follow-up so questions for the next 30 minutes. Jeez, yeah. thanks, y'all. I so appreciate it. Um <laughs> So, so one thing I do want to ask before we dive into asking maybe a little bit more about those workbooks is I do want to just first just ask like how how are you seeing 
this weaving in of mental health and the need for like referral and kind of like discerning as these groups are talking about these topics, like, do you have some content in the workbooks that are, um, and in these groups in terms of guidance for like when it is appropriate to refer out, um, or is it purely just peer support or can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. No, it, it, in, in the workbooks, um, it all complements um, any type of professional help. So, um, so specifically, um, we address medication. And so we have a topic in there because that's a, that's a tender topic for a lot of uh, people of faith. You know, is it, is it faith to take medications or is it faith to go without it? You know, and so we really address that in the curriculum uh, for families and the individuals themselves so that they can see how does God work with medication in, in situations where people are uh, sick mm-hmm. or, or different uh, things like that. And so we always point people that that it's okay to seek professionals. And so even in, in our workbooks, um, in our Thrive Workbook, which is the more whole health approach, we tell them, hey, if you don't want to uh, you know, work through this topic, go and see a professional, and then you can work through this topic together. You know, so we always want to be building a bridge with professionals and because it's, I'm not saying it's a both and because um, a lot of times churches, they want to have a referral system, but it doesn't work. And the reason for that is because when they refer people out, uh, they send them into a clogged system. A lot of times mm. they, have, they, they go into, uh, okay, well, we have these professionals that you can go see. And then, uh, but it's going to take you three weeks or a month before you even get into evaluate if you need medication. And then this counselor, um, you know, they may not uh, have time for you or things like that. And then there's the affordability aspect of that. Can I even afford those things? Insurance is a really big issue. So a lot of those things is kind of, they're sending them on this journey of, man, but it's a clogged system and I can't afford it. So where do they go in the meantime? And then at the church, well, we don't have anything. Just come to our Sunday service. But the Sunday service triggers me. You know, so mm-hmm. that's where it's like, well, you have to have both. You have to have community that that really builds an understanding of care for these individuals and that can actually aid in their health recovery. And so that's what these groups do. So it's not the end all of the group. It's just a place where they can be in that meantime so they don't fall through the cracks they fall into yeah. a place of comfort with others and then they actually and again the research shows they they will improve by being in these groups and when they get into the professional they have they have material that will help support that journey as well and we have many professionals that send them over to the groups and or even partner uh, with us in a lot of ways Gosh, I love that. I am just just so excited hearing what you're sharing. And I think you're absolutely right that it, it can be a clogged system. And so, you know, the ways in which the church can walk alongside and help with these small groups in that meantime is beautiful. But I but I appreciate you how you're saying though, it's not like it's either or or in competition with mental health care providers. It's no, we're gonna partner with and help. Um, walk alongside these folks, you know, in this season, recognizing that it sounds like there's this openness too to to referral or to connecting for medication as needed and such, but but that there's still like a partnership element in some way. Yes, um, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about these workbooks. So you you mentioned Living Grace, you mentioned Family Grace. I know that 
you uh, like I've also seen on the website, there's a redefine grace. And then I think you had just mentioned another one maybe, but um, maybe not. But tell us about these, these different workbooks and, you know, who they're for and how churches might be able to access them and, right. and kind of what, what folks walk through as they're going through these workbooks. Right. Okay. Well, and actually, uh, if people want more information, uh, they can go to our website and there's a little video on each page that I basically walk people through understanding what are these grace groups and kind of give them some visuals and things like that. Um, but just yeah. real simply that these are curriculums for small groups. Um, for anybody who's experiencing depression, anxiety, or any type of mental health challenge, whether as a family or as a couple or the individual themselves. So Family Grace deals with those couples or families who have a loved one and that they're going through this experience. And then the Living Grace is, um, is for those individuals who are going through that journey themselves. And Redefine Grace is specifically for college and high school students. Now, the Family and Living Grace uh, work on a 16-week curriculum, while the Redefine Grace works on a 10-week curriculum that fits better in a semester. Um, and then the other uh, resource we have is what we call Thrive. Um, and that is basically a whole health self-wellness guide that they can use for their own journey. And, and it's really more of an intensive, uh, I don't want to say intensive, but it's really more, more information um, and specific tools for them to work on to help improve life. And these are uh, basic tools that uh, reinforce like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, evidence-based types of practices that help individuals, but just on a principle basis. And that's why we say it supports a lot of what professionals do, are doing because they can use the, you, they can use these resources to help encourage their clients, but also they can go much deeper with uh, the, the therapist on a lot of these topics as well. So they, they really complement. And the research we actually did on Thrive was uh, with, in conjunction with the professional, seeing that how Thrive worked the, with the individual as they were going through professional therapy. So again, this is where we love that, uh, that connection between the professional and the personal or uh, even the pastoral community, things like that. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I'm thinking too, with each of these workbooks, I know on your website, you, you include a little bit of information about training. Can, yeah. can, you know, just for those who are ministers who are thinking, gosh, this is, sounds really interesting. I'm, I want to learn more and maybe integrate this into my setting. Like what, do you mind just kind of telling them what they need to do? Yes. Okay. So here's how, here's how we've set it up. We know that the biggest cost barrier to getting any of these groups going is cost of training. So what we have done is basically eliminated every cost uh, on training. So what we offer is anybody, any church, they can go access the training on our website for free and walk through an online training course. Um, and so it's and so um, and all they have to do is buy the workbooks, whether they just need three or five or more. Um, and so we really try to eliminate a lot of the cost to helping get these um, these groups going. So uh, so that again, the only cost is really the workbook and they're they're at affordable prices. And then so and then after the group is trained um, or the leaders are trained and they go through the course, then they can join in on a private Facebook uh, group where we give them extra support. And then they have access to us as a leadership. If they have any other questions or more support for uh, needing and, and leading their groups, so we really try to uh, take care of these leaders because a lot of times 
you know, if they try to work with their church or their pastor, they may not know how to really help them with these groups. Well, that's where we offer a lot of that support. And so we are basically uh, making it free for, and that's the nonprofit part of us, but that's where we're, we make the training free and we make the support free so they don't have to have annual subscriptions or anything like that to be to access uh, the support for the uh, leading these groups. And again, if somebody, uh, we have lots of people who are, um, they don't want to be groups. So they're just using the, the workbooks as one-on-one, like at a discipleship meeting, or sometimes they're just using the workbooks um, by themselves. And so we're seeing a lot of, uh, of, of that use as well. So whether you want to do it by yourself and just go watch the videos for more understanding or one-on-one discipleship or actually set it up as a group, we're just making it really easy for any church and anybody to have this material, these resources, and start the journey and start getting a new perspective that can bring a little bit more empowered hope. Hmm. Yeah, I love so that. Because I know a lot of a lot of this show and the work that we do, right, is kind of trying to change attitudes and information and some of the maybe higher level type approaches. But a lot of people end up asking every time I talk to people, they say, oh, do you have like something tangible? Do you have materials? Do you have small group stuff? Do you have curriculums? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, it's good to have places to where I can point and say, you know what, there's some here, there's some here. And to get to hear some of the heartbeat behind that is awesome. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that you would also say, hey, therapists or mental health professionals could also buy it and then look through it and see if they would recommend it or, or use it with if they have clients that want to integrate some Christian faith aspects and things like that. Yes, absolutely. We actually have a bunch of therapists who, you know, they've emailed, hey, do you mind if I use this? <laughs> you know, we're like, hey, just go for it. Anything that helps encourage the your client and where they are in their faith journey, especially in relation to Jesus and, and that whole thing. Yeah. So we love connecting and collaborating with professionals wherever we can and, and however we can help. Because I think it's really important that we're really building a bridge between professionals and pastors and in that church community. So I think there's a, we shouldn't be scared of that because of, of differences of, well, you know, I don't trust your therapy model and all those things. I think it's just like, well, hey, we we all trust in helping people. So let's really work together. And so this is a great bridge. So it's it's helping the, our material resources are helping these individuals. And so it's aiding the church and it's aiding professionals. So of course we want to work with professionals wherever we can. That's so good. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that Robert asked the question too about therapists, especially as therapists are trying to, you know, fumble through potentially thinking like, well, how do I integrate faith into what we're doing? Like, it seems like this would provide some guidance for that um, as much as it's providing guidance for ministers thinking about mental health. So I love that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious too, what what would you say are some things that you've learned since launching Mental Health Grace Alliance just overall? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that what I've, well, you know, I, I think what I've really learned, one of the biggest things that I'm still learning right now, um, and these are conversations I'm having in some collaborative meetings, um, is really learning the language of what does mental health mean in the church? Who is this reaching? Um, who understands this? Who doesn't? Who's afraid? And it really touches on the the stigma. So I've, I think one of the most important things that we've learned, and I think Holly, you and I, when we had coffee, we talked a little bit about this, but um, mm. that the, the way we have to explain what mental health is and how we understand it, that's a really big topic in the church. And I think we yeah. as a team have uh, really explored 
what is stigma and why is it perceived this way? You know, so uh, for example, as uh, I met with one individual um, and I was helping a family member, uh, but this one individual, very successful person, business and all these things, and they were uh, sharing with me and saying, you know, that they were having uh, some life challenges and their doctor had put them on some medication and all these factors. And, and what they explained to me, and I'm, I am not a credentialed professional, but I know enough uh, to know when I hear the classic symptoms of depression and overwhelming anxiety. Mm. And yeah. this person looked at me and said, but I would never come to your website because that's for mental illness. Mm. And I, and I was, you know, I didn't, uh, I, you know, of course, supported the individual and, and I didn't say anything, but I think I walked away from that, that, that meeting thinking, you know, uh, she's right. And I'm wrong because I'm only speaking one part of the conversation. I'm only speaking one part of the language. Um, and so, and I've talked to pastors and different things of what their hesitancy is with this whole topic. So I think if it's one thing, uh, really that we've learned is how do we really market this or how do we um, talk about this in a way that helps people reach people where they're at rather than forcing them into the topic. So that's, that's a, that's an ongoing journey and that's uh, a long conversation, but uh, we can get into it if you'd like, but I'm just saying that's one of the <laughs> biggest um, elements that um, where there's a lot of fear uh, and confusion, uh, but then there's also a lot of potential to really see a lot of things turn the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I do remember us talking a little bit about the language piece and how important that is. And I'm thinking that you and I need to find another time to grab coffee because I have some data that you might be very interested in, in light of what you just shared about terminology and mental health versus mental illness. And, you know, some of the just views that the general population has, I think, around these terms. So so we'll need to schedule that after this recording. Yes, no, that's great. Well, and just one note on this is that because I, this has been for years, I've been doing this, but I've um, been really looking at the the research on stigma and mental health specifically and seeing that it goes back 70 years and really trying to see what are the markers that they've always found uh, working and not working. And so that's really made this conversation like, you know, I think we have to have a creative way of what, how we get around stigma not just always trying to break it. So it, it, it takes a clever approach and a real uh, listening approach uh, so that we can all learn how we really relate to this term of mental health so that we can see a bigger picture of hope rather than, oh, that's pretty scary. So yeah, that that would be, I'm sure, another podcast or another interview, another coffee, <laughs> another everything. <laughs> so, all the above, all of the above. Yes. Gosh, that's it. awesome. So you were just touching on some of them, but where do you see some areas in which we can keep growing to serve those within the church who are facing mental health struggles, or maybe even alluding to what you were just talking about, like creating healthier environments that promote mental health, even if, you know, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not struggling with mental health, right? But ways that we can continue to kind of foster that like, good, healthy environment within the church. Yeah, I think, um, I think that, uh, number one, whenever the pastor talks about it from the front, there's always an open door to explore what this topic is. So I, I think that um, that just mentioning the uh, from saying depression, anxiety, 
uh, or, you know, just or the word mental health. I think that that always helps when that's always coming from the front because people respect the pastor and what the pastor's where he's wanting, where he or she is guiding the church to understand and grow. So I think that number one, any type of mention from the front um, is is really helpful. And I think it's also, you know, like kind of going into the stigma conversation, but I think we have to uh, understand how to broaden the, the language and the approach of that, whether we're saying depression, anxiety, uh, but a big term nowadays is uh, what's well, always been around, but it's burnout. So I think that's a great mm-hmm. gateway uh, term or uh, understanding to understand what we mean by mental health and how it affects your life. Because there's certain types of factors that go into burnout, things like that. But uh, but what plays out from that really uh, gives us a great insight to 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 that. And of course, we're seeing um, huge statistics of anxiety increasing. Uh, with our youth and even just general population and things like that. So I think those are kind of some beginning places where that can happen. Second, I would say that making room for some education in the church, whether that's an interest meeting or a, a Bible school class or, you know, something that just says, hey, we're having this education thing on this topic. And and that pulls in people that are really curious and things like that. So I think those from a from a talk about it and also educate about it um, is a great place where the church can start just that journey and then from there then they can look at okay what support mechanisms do we want to have as a church what training do we want to do etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah gosh that's so good i love every bit of that <laughs> Well, I know that you, you know, you've invested a lot of energy and time, resources, and, you know, that just this Mental Health Grace Alliance has been the heartbeat of the work and service that you've done for so many, for quite a while now. Something that we like to ask folks who are, you know, it's really clear they're just pouring themselves into the work, this work. What is your hope for this ministry and for everything that you're doing um, with Mental Health Grace Alliance? Yeah, you know, I think that um, uh, wouldn't it be awesome, and just think about this for a second, if the church today really knew how to talk about depression, anxiety, and any mental health challenge, and they can talk about it with confidence, and so much so that they would actually have programs or some sort of ministry within the church that would actually help them overcome them, and what if the church had all of these things in place from education, knowing how to talk about it and helping people overcome, and then science would come and do research and say the church is a game changer for mental health needs. Wouldn't that be an awesome story? Because right now, unfortunately, and I love the church, they're in last place when it comes to mental health care and type of support or needs. Uh, And so we're just seeing that uh, I know there's some unfortunate research showing that, you know, the church is probably the last place you want to go if you're experiencing this. But I think our hope is, no, we want to change the story. You know, we may not be able to fix everything, but we certainly can change the story in the community of the church and then the church um, having an impact in the community around them. Because this mental health thing um, is an everybody thing and a spectrum thing. So I think that that what we'd like to see is, you know, we're just taking our simple role where we can we can implement proven methods 
that with these simple communities and these resources, the church can be a game changer for mental health support within their own community and their church, costing them literally next to nothing. The training is easy and they are now uh, helping lead and change people's lives. That would be an awesome story. And the thing is, is we're already starting to see that. So it's kind of my hope being realized, not my hope. And I think it's our, all of us, it's our hope, but it's, we're just seeing it realized because we're, we're getting contacted by churches and people and saying, we're so thankful. We finally have something in our church that is easy to, to set up and it takes care of people really well. So Hmm. yeah, I think there's, it's, it's kind of, you know, we want to be part of this, uh, let's say, let's call it a movement uh, or sorts or a network or whatever. We want to be part of this innovative way of helping the church be a leader and really restoring lives. It's not just about soul salvation and soul growth. It's about whole life transformation and whole life transformation crossing over into whole community transformation. And mental health is just one of those pieces that we have to have in there and we can't just keep talking about brokenness. We have to keep talking about, hey, there's a wholeness thing here. And something I always say, it's we're not on a brokenness journey. We're on a wholeness journey. Mm. So let's start moving in that direction because we want to start seeing people in a new place, a new reality. And for them to, for them to actually say, you know what? I came to this group and it saved my life. You know, that's the story we want. And that's the story we all want to be a part of. And but we sometimes we just need some things that are innovative and so simple that we can implement today. And that's what we're trying to do. And we'll partner with and collaborate with all the others who are uh, doing much deeper work and things like that, like yourselves, research and therapy and all those things. We'll all play together well. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love all of that. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Well, if you would like to connect with Joe and with the Mental Health Grace Alliance, you can find them at mentalhealthgracealliance.org. We'll have links to uh, Mental Health Grace Alliance's Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, in the show notes. Um, if you want to connect with Robert, you can find him at robert-4.com or on any social media at Robert4. If you want to connect with me, I'm at hollyoxhandler.com or on Twitter at hollyoxhandler. Joe, I just, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the show today. And I'm just so grateful this conversation has finally happened and all the wisdom that you shared with us today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any closing thoughts for our listeners that you'd like to, to share? I think I just, you know, I, I, I think it's, there's just so much, I, you know, the thing is, is that, that when, when I meet with people um, and, you know, and I get the opportunity to coach them and work with them, I always listen to their story and I provide them comfort and, you know, really understanding them with sympathy and a lot of empathy. And then also moving the conversation over from, you know, it's not all about being broken and working through the brokenness, like we talked about earlier, but I think it's that. I just like to look at them in, in the face because I've seen it myself and so many in my wife and so many different stories. And just to say, you know, I know that 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 I know you can get better. This doesn't have to be the story that you're being told for the rest of your life. We can change the narrative. It will be hard. It will be difficult. It will be challenging but it will be steps of hope and grace that you can see your life 
changed and transformed to a better and bigger beauty than, than what you've been told. Just take this medication and just try to survive. There's, there's a story that I think God wants to um, help people see a greater love and a greater grace that just moves the needle for their lives, but more into a better promise, not just always pain. So yeah, I think that's it. I just, I think there's just one, Mm -hmm. I want people to have hope with this. You know, when I go and do these talks and uh, workshops and all this stuff, and um, I like to talk about the beauty of mental illness. I like to talk about the joy. I like to talk about these things. I've been to a lot of conferences where there's just, man, I walk out and I'm like, man, this is really heavy. And I'm just the one more story. And I'm just really discouraged. And, you know, but I think it's like, can we talk about the actual growth? Could we talk about the actual hope? Can we actually talk about mm. the things that we know that will make a change rather than just more brochures that we have to hand out? I'm tired of the brochure. Let's talk mm. about change. So let's, what are we doing on Monday? Let's get going. Okay, let's go. You know, just, mm. I think that's, and that I'm just a practitioner. I'm pragmatic and things. I just, I think there's just a way that we got to take this conversation and put it into action and it's got to be simple and it's got to be easy and immediate. So let's get moving. So, sorry, that's a little long. I'm, I apologize. No, 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 no. It's, you got me going. <laughs> it's it. That's great. That's the way. I mean, we love it when our guests are just going off like that because it's, it's good. It's, it resonates and it's, you know, um, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate every bit of it. I'm sure many of them probably will be like, yeah, let's go. Like, we know we have this. Let's go. Let's do something. So. Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Joe. Um, Yeah, we're just grateful to have you and, you know, wish you all the best with your ministry and hope to have you back on at some point. Yes. No, thank you. And thank you for letting me uh, share and have a great conversation with you guys. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.